Welcome back to the Across the Browns podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Adams, joined today by the one and only John Cleveland Spider Kaufman. John, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm uh, I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be uh, talking uh Talking Browns again on the Across the Browns podcast. That's for I sure. I know. We've been, if you guys uh, are listening to this and you don't follow the Across the Board podcast, you can find that on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, anywhere, Google Podcasts. John and I do that every Thursday or Friday and help you guys win free money over there. But um, yeah, it's been just a weird freaking year. I love doing the Across the Browns <laughs> show. I'm going to try to start recording at least one episode a week, hopefully two, uh, but we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, for today, we got three things we're going to look at. We're going to try to make this one short and sweet for you guys and gals. Talk about the Browns. Obviously, we're going to look at their defense for the second half of the season. Uh, that was a great question by at Dog Pound East, a Hellhound, fantastic dude. And if you like, what's up, Hellhound? If you like to look at nice pictures of beer and stout and ale, that's your that's your Twitter account. You need to go to. Um, Heck yeah, yeah. So we're gonna look at that. Um, we're gonna look at the offensive line, which is gonna also kind of tie into the look ahead for the Texans game. We're gonna keep this under forty minutes for you all, and uh, yeah, I mean that's all. That's what we're doing for the show today. Uh, I know that we used to not, I used to not tell you guys and gals what we were doing for the show, but I just want to throw it out there, um, let you all know what's happening. But, uh, John, so we'll just get right into the defensive part. Uh, we were, John and I were talking before we got on the, I think we've been on Skype for like an hour and a half now, and we've done nothing but just <laughs> talk about nonsense. Talk Browns. Yeah, Browns. <laughs> and video games and Silent Hill and yeah, Resident movies, Evil but- and- We were kind of talking, and I said, um, and you know, as soon as you say something to John, you know whether or not he thinks you're an idiot. And the simple thing is, when he actually thinks, wow, he says, oh, wow, that's a really good point. I never thought about that. When he thinks you're a dumbass, he will just not say anything, and he'll say, hmm, why's that? And you're like, shit, shit, I screwed up. (laughs) But I'm sticking to my guns on this one. I said... I don't think the Browns are a bottom 10 defense like most of the uh, fan base seems to think. I, I understand the Browns defense is not good. And if you listen to our shows with Brendan Leister, if you haven't, you can go find them. They're freaking fantastic. He's a brilliant football mind. Um, he said the key to a defense isn't to have star players. It's to not have black holes. And the Browns have many black holes. But this team... While they haven't been great on defense, still, they're 13th in the league in yards per game. They're 9th or 8th in points allowed. Uh, they've played a they've played a pretty tough offensive schedule. you got the Cowboys on there, Bengals twice, Steelers, Ravens. Uh, so it hasn't been... Uh, the Raiders have been putting up points. It hasn't been a cakewalk defensively. You've got the best defensive end, arguably, in the NFL. You've got one of the best man corners in the NFL. So you have pieces around... I think for the second half of the season, you just need to focus on getting decent linebacker play. That If you can get just average linebacker play, because um, Mac attack, it's not it. It's not it. Taki Taki, 
it's a lot like college. He's getting himself into the position to make the plays, and he's not able to make the play. When he was coming out of college, I was one of them. I was really on the pound the table for Taki Taki because uh, mm-hmm. I was in the boat of he gets himself in the situations. That's why he's missing tackles. Well, he's still missing tackles. So we're just we're not we're not getting good linebacker play, John. And that's that's that the safeties obviously are hurting us. But I think the linebacker play is hurting us much more because you're not going to be able to go over the top every single play, but you're able to run six, seven yards on the Browns every single time you touch the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely encouraging looking up the injury report and seeing that the only name on there uh, is Jacob Phillips, who's questionable with a knee. So, you know, you're you're going to be, I mean, obviously, Odell Beckham's out. You know, there's season-long injuries, of course, but um, but this feels like one of the healthiest uh, games the Browns have had in a very, very long time. I mean, obviously the, you know, bearing the, uh, uh, we're bearing the headline here with, you know, Nick Chubb coming back and Wyatt Teller and stuff, but, but yeah, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, to your credit, um, you know, they, they do, they do need some healthy bodies out there for sure. And it looks like they're getting that this week, which is going to be great. Um, I think that a lot of, you know, basically the argument between, what you see on Sunday and then what the you go to like pro football focus or ball outsiders or any of the analytical, you know, um, uh, websites, or whatever the track, you know, football, um, like the, the, the cognitive dis between what we see. And then when you see these grades, like it feels like the Browns have, have one of the worst two or three defenses in the NFL easily. And then you look at these grades and like, you know, PFF has, um, 18th, I think, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I think they're, yeah, 15th from the bottom. So, you know, the Raiders are the worst, according to them. Carolina's worst, Dallas, New England, you know, there's a bow. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely weird. Um, you know, maybe that's cause for optimism. You know, it feels, you know, you because especially when, like I said, when you're watching it, you're just like, it looks, they look so lost, you know, half the time, like every time, every place Sandejo's involved in, you just throw your arms up going, yeah. you know, you're just a, you're just a shrug emoji with your arms up like this. It's just unreal. You know, so. I feel something that I, I, I think maybe I was a little too harsh on the linebackers while we, we are not having good linebacker play. Obviously I think Malcolm Smith and BJ Goodson need to be talked about. They have been serviceable enough, but obviously having Goodson in there on third down is t- it's tougher um, mm-hmm. right now he's still the second best coverage linebacker you got. Um, Jacob Phillips, the couple plays he's been in like this year, like he's made some plays here and there. He's missed big plays. He's graded out pretty badly this year. Um, but I think something that also is not helping, and then we'll talk about some positives on this defense, is that the defensive tackle position has been piss poor. Mm-hmm. Larry started out the year so hot. I was okay, he's back, he's gonna get paid, and then he just disappeared. So outside of Miles Garrett, this defensive line has been wildly disappointing on every single level. Every single player has been bad besides Miles Garrett. Miles yeah. Garrett. Yeah, we and Richardson too in the beginning of the season looked like well, okay, you're like here we go. Like we're going to have two, you know, maybe three players from that line that are really going to stand out every game. I mean, obviously Garrett's been just a transcendent player. I mean, he's, you know, Ridiculous. easily the defensive player of the year. Yeah, instantly. Like there's no there are a couple guys that are also if, playing. If they really make well. the playoffs at this rate, he's arguably an MVP like candidate. It should be. I mean, he can't because he's not a quarterback, obviously. But yeah, I mean, he's no, won no. three I, games for the Browns so far. Right. Yeah. 
No, the uh, the strip sack. I mean, his ability to totally change the game. I mean, it's just incredible. So, Cowboys, Bengals, um, Redskins sealed both those yep. games. All three of those games. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I mean, absolutely. Like, and that's um, you know, like he he's yeah, he's playing incredible. He is you know, it, it, at some point he definitely should be in the conversation for an MVP. You're right. It's going to be a quarterback, obviously, but yeah. Um, but the did like what he provides up front. Versus what you're not getting from like the the rest of the defense from the you know the linebackers and the and the safeties in the corners and stuff like that's what's really incredible to me is you know he's he's carrying the entire team like on that side of the ball and what he's done has just been incredible so but I mean everybody knows that but the whole point of this is you know Richardson uh, Ogunjobi like you're right in the beginning of the year there were flashes and there were moments where you thought well this could be like. Uh, actually similar to Washington where you're like, well, or even Philly is a, probably a better example where you're like the front four, it, when they get home, you know, without blitzing, they just do their thing. This is a, a really, really tough team, you know, to have to deal with. But when they don't, you know, the pressure on the back seven is just, it's too much and they're not, you know, they're not handling it very well. So you're right. We need Ogunjobi, uh, Richardson, like they, you need more production from, uh, from someone other than Miles Garrett up front. Right. I totally. Agree. And, it um I I'll put a little bit of light on this. Also, these 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 defensive linemen aren't bad players by no means. Like I I want to point this out. Everyone in the NFL is amazing. Like these guys are the one percent in the world. So I should not be sitting here at my computer desk, like telling them that they're bad. I'm just saying relative to what I thought they would be playing or what we, which is all expectations. But um I just wanted to throw that out there because that's something that drives me absolutely nuts. But uh, about the defensive line play, you have played the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Colts, the Steelers, and these are teams that all have great offensive lines. So that that does play some into it. So a big thing is we've seen this defensive line specifically take over teams with bad offensive lines. The Bengals, the the um, the team almost screwed up there. <laughs> um, the team, the cow like not the Cowboys. Um. But so it's the Bengals twice. Sorry, that's where I was like, I, I know there's three games. I miss one. Um, so it is it is possible that they can dictate a game, those four by themselves. And obviously, Port Augustin, Jordan Elliott, these guys getting thrown in, Adrian Claiborne. Um, but this Texans game is going to be one in that front four right now. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be wet. The Browns are going to run the ball a lot. We'll talk about that later. The Texans are the worst running team in the NFL almost. And they're the worst defensive team against the run almost so mm-hmm. um you have to be able to win up front they're gonna win on the offensive side of the ball the browns are can't, if you can win in the trenches on both sides you will win every single game and they have you know one two three four five games left where they should win up front on both so you have to win those games you can't you can't slack off um but a couple positive spots on this Brown defense, then we'll move on to the offensive line and talk about kind of how Bill Callahan's been taking over. Is um there's a few things on the defensive side of the ball. One, I love that we signed Steven Denmark. That was the first year where I actually kind of started to get involved in the uh NFL draft and watching. And uh, I saw someone tweet about this 6'3, 220-pound cornerback from like Val State or some real small school division division <laughs> two something maybe division three I one of those two um 
He's an absolute monster. Uh, if you go to Across the Browns Twitter, at Across the Browns, you can see the stats from his combine I put on there. Uh, he's an absolute freak, so that excites me. I don't know if he'll ever get any playing time, but just having a... He's kind of one of those people you can see being a longtime special teams player in the NFL. 6'3", 220, ran a sub 4 uh, 43-inch vertical or something like that with a 79-inch wingspan. Like That's a longtime special teamer in the NFL that makes a living off of just ripping dudes' heads off on kickoffs. So I love that. Sheldrick Redwine has been amazing. Ronnie Harrison has been amazing. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, he's graded at a 75.5 on PFF, which is fantastic. Seventh in the NFL. Hmm. He's probably number one or two if he has four of the interceptions that he dropped this year. I'm not I'm not saying he's bad for it. He's been in position. He's getting in great position. You don't pay a, you don't pay a safety to catch the ball. I understand that. I'm just saying you catch those game you catch those balls, those are game changers. Um and he's, you know, maybe the best graded safety in the NFL this year. So he's been fantastic on both sides, running the on both aspects, running the Playing the run, playing the pass, I, you love to see that. Sheldrick Redwine, they're, he's been great in coverage. They're using him just like they did in Miami. This is why you bring in a defensive back specialist because that's one of the hardest positions. It, coverage is one of the hardest things in the NFL, especially you play all these super elaborate offenses and what they're doing now with you know five people that are going out for passes. You got what, now three, four guys in the NFL can throw the ball 80 yards right now? That's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah. you bring in Joe Woods for this exact reason, to get Redwine, Harrison, these guys that were kind of, you know, just... Ronnie Harrison was done. I mean, he was nothing on the Jaguars. Sheldrick Redwine was a, what, third, fourth round pick. He got these guys playing, like, both top 20 safeties right now, great grade-wise. So you love to see that. Um, I'm not going to harp on any more of the negatives. We already know the two safety positions are not looking that great. But um, and outside, sure. like just Ronnie Harrison, Redwine, and Denzel Ward, obviously has just been fantastic all three years in the NFL. I mean, just mm-hmm. if you're taking one guy for press man coverage, it's right now it's between probably Denzel Ward and Step um, Gilmore. It has been for three years. They've been one and two, one and two, and one and two. It's ridiculous. It's actually quite yeah. crazy. Yep. No, you're right. And that's good to highlight those positives. That's a very good that point so- because I think too often we get so bogged down with what doesn't look good, you know, with what isn't working. And and it's obviously important to, you know, highlight some of those positives. And maybe that bridges the gap too for most people. Like like I was saying before, the dissonance between what we see on Sundays thinking, God, this is like a, you know, the, the worst defense in the NFL, right? They're a bottom three, five unit, whatever. And then you look up, you know, some of the grades and the yardage totals they've given up and things like that. And you think, hmm, wait a minute, this doesn't they're not graded as one of the worst. They're, they seem to be middle, you know, like in that 16 to 20, you know, two range in almost all the categories where, you know, they're they're not in the top half, but they're not in the bottom five or seven either. And so pointing out the, um, you know, the Ronnie Harrison's and, and Sheldon Redwine, like pointing out those things, you know, that I've, even for me just now, it's kind of helping me to create like a sense of, okay, I'm, I think I'm understanding, you know, the difference between, you know, what I see and, and, and how the grades are coming out. So I think that's really important to do. So, uh, for fans just to, you know, how we view the team, I think something else that, and I'm gonna, I'm being vulnerable. I'm being vulnerable 
right here on the show is that what what did I say about Taki Taki and what did you say? We said that he's been pretty bad getting himself into situations where he's missing and stuff. He's got an 82 yep. run grade, a run defense grade on PFF, which is, you know, one of the top in the league, top 10. That's high. So it's like, it's one of those things where the eye test, you just see Sione Taki Taki make these mistakes and he has one of the worst coverage grades in the NFL. So that could be very well where we're seeing that. And then in our head, yeah. we're like, okay, no, he missed that play. He's not good. He still has a long way to go. What about tackling? Um, Does it show it on there? Tackling grade. I can, I might be able to click on him alone. Yeah. So his tackling grade is... Um, why wouldn't it That's show that? Feel like it's weird. He's lined up on the D-line 40 times, though. And slot corner 55. Well, that's probably why he has such a bad wow. coverage grade. You cannot have Taki Taki out there. Um, I don't know, because usually you can see a... Uh, Usually you can see the tackling grade, but his, his run defense grade yeah. has been good, which I know tackling is a big part of the run defense and being able to shoot the gaps. I wish you could see the way they grade, but obviously you can't do that because this is how they make their money. They can't just give out mm -hmm. their secrets. But um, all right, moving on to the offensive line. The most important thing to point out here is that if it weren't for J.C. Treader, Baker Mayfield, if it weren't for... J.C. Treader and Joel Petonio, Baker Mayfield, would have the highest pass-blocking grade on the Cleveland Browns. And it's all because of his one block when Jarvis was throwing the ball to Odell. <laughs> all right, but real talk. Okay. The, 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 the defensive question, shout-out again to Hellhound East. Thank you so much for the question and for listening. Um, this one, I, I can never remember his at. Jeff, why you got to do me like that? It's JX something. Yeah, JFX. Yeah, I got him. I got him. All right, this question is by Jeff, one of the coolest dudes on Twitter, but I hate him. Um, <laughs> it's at JXW727. Go give him a follow, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not, you're doing yourself a disservice. He will be the 100%. first one to roast you and the first one to congratulate you at the same time. Um, but he, he asked, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have pulled up. When do Wyatt Teller and Bill um, Callahan get a raise? My, my answer to you is that normally I would not say to pay an offensive guard. If Wyatt Teller comes back in and he plays like he is right now, you absolutely 100% have to pay him. Um, do it now because he's one good year. You can't get $14, $15 million a year as a guard. Offer him four-year four-year deal, eight years for, and then eight years, but increasing or something like that. It obviously maybe is not what his market value is, but maybe he'll want to stay in the system. Good offensive line, great system for an offensive guard and his, with his abilities, um, obviously with the way he can pull and um, just absolutely be a mauler. And that's what Bill Callahan wants you to do is get out in the open field and, uh, Sorry, Julia just got home. But, uh, hey, hey, Jules, how's it going? John said, uh, "Keep it quiet." <laughs> We're recording. You son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh, all right, Jeff. Here's my answer to you. You you do have to pay White Teller. That's the answer in short. Um, I you cannot pay him record-setting money though. You gotta allocate that money elsewhere. You can always plug and play a guard that can do good enough. 
I don't think Wyatt Teller is the key to the offense by any means, obviously. Especially when you're paying J.C. Treader, you're paying Joel Batonio. Uh, it's hard to... You're paying Jack Conklin. You can't pay five offensive linemen. You cannot. They're... If you, um, there's a great article by PFF, couldn't tell you who it's by, couldn't tell you where to find it. I read it one time a year or two ago. You basically got to have three good offensive linemen and two that aren't black holes. It's kind of like the defensive coverage thing we talked about with Brendan. Um, so that's a big key. How much he's going to want, I don't know. Um, I think, well, he's a fifth round pick. Yeah, so he doesn't yeah. have the full four years, does he? Yeah, he does. Does he? He's twenty. Uh, he's twenty five. He's drafted in eighteen. Um, yeah, eight. So eighteen, nineteen, twenty. So this is his third season. Um, if you get him for one more year next year, you might just have to write it out. If you can somehow sign him this year to a multi year deal, not record setting, you do that. Um, I'll talk about Bill Callahan. Then I'll obviously let John step in on Wyatt Teller. Uh, Bill Callahan. Absolutely deserves a bonus. Uh, my favorite thing about this entire Browns season so far is watching across the Browns. Um, and it was the Redskins. Maybe it was the Bengals. It was Bengals or Redskins. Um, they ran a play for Kareem Hunt. It didn't work. And um, Stefanski said, oh, that play was awesome. I want to do it again and score. So he told Baker through the mic for the same play. Get, get Kareem the score. And... Uh, but right before he said that, he went to Bill Callahan and he said, what do you want to run? Basically, can I run the same play? Who do you want to put in there? He asked Bill Callahan because he's looking up to the people that have much more experience than him. They score after Stefanski called the play. He didn't even celebrate. He walked over to Bill Callahan and congratulated him. Like That seems so little, but after having egotistical airheads around the Browns for so long. It's so nice to see someone be able to put aside <laughs> all of that and just appreciate the fact that they have a coach that might be smarter than them about the game right now because he's been around the game 30 years longer since the fans he's been alive. Like that, that was huge. <laughs> that was absolutely phenomenal for me. Um, I hope that Callahan is here until he is put six feet under to be quite honest. Yep. Um, the Callahan signing felt like when, when Sean McVay took over for the Rams and Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator, you know, that's the kind of like, um, you know, sort of, how do you want to say this? Like, um, just helping him along, right? Like you knew, you know, you're going to have somebody who's been around the game forever. Who's really, really good at what they do. Like a, you know, like a top three, top five, all time, you know, defensive coach, um, you know, and then just let McVeigh, hey, Mc, hey, man, just go run the offense, okay? Don't worry about it. Just do your thing. I got the rest of this stuff. Like, we don't, you don't have to deal with anything on the defensive side of the ball. You know, real simple. Obviously helped McVeigh out, helped the Rams out. Um, you know, I mean, he's not there anymore, but whatever. But same thing, Callahan, you know, he comes in and, you know, just the, like, the respect that his name carries. You know, you hear, see all these stories uh, written up with Stefanski, you know, going over to him thinking like, what, all right, what should we call here? You know, like the input just on the, on the, on the minute to minute stuff, the play by play stuff is so impressive and so helpful um, for a young coach who seems to have a good grasp of his offense and what he wants to do. Um, but 
you know, could all you could always use a touch more or help, obviously. So yeah, absolutely. Callahan has been I mean, they've the Browns have done a lot of things right in the last um, I don't know, eight to twelve months. Callahan is at the top of that list for sure. Um as far as Wyatt Teller goes, I think first of all, they need to be congratulated uh for the this is a Cleveland Indians trade, okay? Like this is the they gave up what like a fifth and a sixth round pick in 2020, and then I think like a seventh and 21 to get Teller last year. Okay, so you know two garbage picks plus a seventh rounder in the following year that's worth nothing, and then you get a guy that you know a 24 year old at the time who uh, just got squeezed out of the Bills line because he just was you know like he basically the odd man out kind of. Um, Actually, John. So. We traded a fifth and a sixth in 2020 to get Wyatt Teller and a 2021 seventh. Oh, we got the seventh yeah. round. So pick. we got. Oh, my yeah. bad. Okay. We gave right. two garbage I picks. Which fifth round can sometimes be, you know, decent. Um, you got to hit you. It's like, uh, it's like hitting the jackpot, though. I mean, it doesn't come around. Yeah. Often. And basically, they're, you know, 100% of GMs and fans and anyone who's around football, if you said, would you give up a fifth round pick for a top, you know, level guard? No, no, no. The, you know, the best graded spot. guard ever. Right. <laughs> Higher than Marshall Yonda, the best guard in NFL history. What? He has been playing out of his mind. No. Um and it's obviously so yeah. PFF grades are just one part of it. But when he's played uh what how many games did he play before he got hurt? Uh four, four full games and then four and a half. Four and a half full games is not a it is obviously a short sample size over he's got to play out his career like this. I'm not calling him better than Marshall Yonda, but he played four and a half games at a higher rate than Marshall Yonda ever did. That's yep. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. It's not like one so game, as as the- one game is be- like eh, four games. Sorry, I keep interrupting you, but I just can't o- get over that. I know. Well, it is your show, no. so I, you know, we'll let you. Uh, you are the host, so we'll let you interrupt uh, anytime you want. So, but um, you shouldn't tell me that. Yeah, I mean, as far as that, you're going to do it anyways. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but as far as you know, paying him goes. Like at some point, yeah, if this keeps up, like you obviously want to try to extend him on a team friendly deal, so you can make sure that you know, like I think the cohesion of the five guys, it might be like the thing that's kind of underrated but matters most. Um, you know, so many times when you get to the playoffs, you know, you, whatever year it is, you, you turn on the wild card round games or whatever. And, you know, you always hear like one of the teams is like, yeah, they, you know, they've used this same offensive line combination, you know, for every snap this year. Right. And the teams that are out of the playoffs, they, they, they had 14 or 16 different combinations because of injuries and other stuff and poor play and all that kind of stuff. So if you can roll through the rest of the season with these five guys, you know, um, and we know the, you know, the, the solid play from Teller uh, before he got hurt. Um, Conklin's been fine. I mean, Wills has, you know, he's he's OK. His pass protection stuff is great. The run blocking stuff he's got to improve upon. Obviously, he hasn't been very good there. Um, but despite those deficiencies, I mean, before Teller got hurt, the Browns were first in the NFL in rushing. They're averaging they were averaging over 200 yards a game after Teller and Chubb got hurt. They fell down to fifth at just over 150 yards per game. So fantastic by all straight, you would take 150 yards a game and fifth in the NFL every single year, it, but it felt like such a detriment because they were first and it dropped off, right. you know, to 
over 50 yards and a game. It is, Kareem but, Hunt is fantastic in his own right. Probably a top 10, easily a top 10 running back right now in the NFL with all the things he can do. But he's not, I mean, Nick Chubb is the number one runner of the football the past two seasons right. in the NFL. Um, I think I my gut feeling says that he was ready to play if he were on a team that wasn't as careful, analytical, and understanding what the implications of having Chubb for the last five, six games of the season are, I think he could have played in the Bengals game. The way he was cutting in those clips on Twitter, this isn't like he was healthy this week and they're going to play him. This is a, I think he's been healthy. They looked at it. They probably, I'm going to be honest with you, looked at it that we play the Bengals, we play the Raiders. There's no need to rush him back in those two games because both those teams are bad enough that you are either going to win or lose with it without Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb is not going to win you either of those games. That's how I would look at it. And the te- Texans, I mean, it's just now it's like a thing where the Texans are good. They're the best two and six team in NFL history, I would say, just because their quarterback's that good. <laughs> um, and, I mean, he's healthy now, so you got to play him. The rain's going to play a huge factor, which is good for oh, Nick man. Chubb. I mean, he's had one bad fumble game in his life. And he had two fumbles, which was ridiculous, but doesn't doesn't lose yep. the football, doesn't ever lose his step. Never loses his step, which is beyond me. But um I mean now you can go back to running you can run 11, 12, 13, 22 personnel. I mean you can do so many different things now. You can play heavy, you can play Kareem, Nick, Ninjoku, and Hooper. All I mean you can go mm-hmm. huge and just have Jarvis out. I mean you can do whatever you want. Um I I really I just really like the spot the Browns are in with the Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, Titans coming up. I think those are four winnable games and then you've got if you split it up into quarters like most people have, like most people most teams split it up into quarters. This is probably your second easiest quarter of the season. First quarter was obviously the easiest. Ravens, Bengals, Skins. Sorry, the team Cowboys. Um, and now you got mm-hmm. the Jaguars are an absolute must win. The Eagles are a must win. I don't care. I don't care about their front four. The Browns, the, the Eagles front yeah. four is not better than, you know, the Colts front four, the Steelers front four, the Washington front four, uh, go on and on and on. I would even argue the Bengals the first time we played them. The Bengals front four is, was fantastic when they started the season. Now mm-hmm. everything they've pissed away. Um, but this this Texans game is a you hate to say it so early in the season. This is a must win. You can't lose this game. If you want to get into the playoffs, which I don't want to talk about the playoffs long, John. I know we talked about that before, but we can talk about this real quick. Because this plays into this week. You have to beat the Texans if you want to play in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, and so segueing into sort of the, the Texans preview, right? So we're, you know, we're here to talk about uh, a bunch of different things. But yeah, I mean the game, you know, the next game up is the Houston Texans at home. And so, you know, you're right. Like the the idea, the concept of a must win, you know, like basically, you know, when you typically say this in the NFL, this is a must win game. It just means like if you lose, you know, you're you're done like you're in a lot of trouble. OK, now, if the Browns lose this game, you know, there's they have a very easy schedule. There's definitely a path to get to the playoffs. That's for sure. Um, you know, other teams in front of them are, you know, the Colts have a very easy schedule. Obviously, we you know, we have the head to head win over them, but. You know, there's, um, you know, there are other teams with easy schedules as well, but, but the, but I think, 
you calling this a must win it, to me it's in this sense like this is a game you should win okay like this is a game where you have advantages in very specific and very important places uh over your opponent coming up right like your pass rush is going to annihilate their offensive line okay um although um What's his name? Tunsil has played well, but I mean, you can put Garrett on the opposite side, of course, and, you know, deal with right tackles. And so it's not, you know, you're not penned, you're not hemmed in that way. Um, you know, Watson is excellent, obviously, but he is very famous for taking way too many sacks and holding onto the ball for way too long. So if he's just trying to hit home runs and make big plays, you know, like he's, he's going to, you know, Miles Garrett's going to get home a lot. Um, you are, we just talked about the offensive line. They're healthy up front. Nick Chubb is back. You should, you are going to be able to run the ball. Uh, and do exactly what you want to do and dictate tempo uh, and game script on offense. And that is huge. Okay. And the one thing that, um, that I want to see, uh, especially coming out of the bye, the, the loss to the Raiders, that was the first game where I really thought that Stefanski blew it. Like he, his, the play calling was awful. I was not a big fan of, I mean, that game is super windy, right? Like just terrible weather. And Baker Mayfield threw the ball 25 times, and our offense had 22 carries, right? Hunt carried the ball 14 times. Baker had six carries, and Dearness Johnson had two. Like, that's that's on Stefanski. You have to look up and see, you know, that, like, the American flag is about to rip off the pole because it's, you know, 30-mile-an-hour wins. And you got to go, look, we have to run the ball 40, 45 times, okay? We have a top-five rushing attack. The Raiders' defense is just absolutely abysmal, you know? The Raiders had 30, uh, 45 carries, 45. Jacobs had 31 himself. Like, that's the game that should have happened. You know, that's how you beat the Raiders in that game, and that should have happened on our side of the ball. That's what Stefanski should have done. So, you know, like, this looks like it's going to be similar. It's going to be raining. Uh, there's a chance of rain around kickoff. The winds are going to be very high. So we need to see uh, Hunt and Chubb carry the ball tons of times. Like, we need 35-plus carries you know, to dictate tempo. Um, it's what they're strongest at anyways. It's what they're best at anyways. So there's no reason this should feed right into everything they want to do anyways. And if it's super windy and just tough, great. So you have Baker throw, you know, some short passes, something manageable, easy when it's necessary, keep them off, you know, uh, keep them guessing, things like that. But yeah, I mean, that's what I want to see from uh, from the Browns this Sunday. And I think it, it absolutely can happen. I think it will happen. Um, and... I think that, like you said, it's it's a must-win game in the sense that we like you should win. Like th you have advantages in, in in great spots, and if you uh, if you if you take advantage of them, if you focus on that, then this is definitely a game that they should and can win. Uh, and I'm excited about it. That's for sure. Yeah. So you talked about the rain. You talked about the wind. So I don't want Baker. You. This is a game where Baker should have to throw 20 times most at most. So we'll talk about oh, that real sure. quick. Passer rating, win clean. Baker Mayfield's at 110.9. You want it to be a little better. I mean, Deshaun Watson at 119. So, I mean, Deshaun Watson, obviously, you talk about him. He's one of the top. That's You want to be compared to someone that good. Um, when under pressure, Baker's yep. a 29.8 passer rating. That's bad. It's really bad. Um, okay. But you go to the... The running side of the ball, and that's where everything tends, to, not even tends to lean, just absolutely screams at you. Take the Browns. Um, so 
They mm-hmm. run the ball 46% of the time. Texans only run it 31% of the time. Uh, Duke Johnson's out this week as well. Difficult out. Uh, David Johnson. What did I say? Duke. Duke is playing. Yeah, this is the Duke Johnson revenge game. Yeah, so. I, I meant to say David Johnson. I even mean, I'm reading Duke Johnson's name right now. Um, that's It's honestly better for the Browns that David Johnson's out. Uh, anyway, percent of passing plays. Yeah, probably. Obviously, flip-flop of what I just said. But EPA per run, that's important. It's your expected points added. There's an entire formula you can look at for PFF. I'm going to explain this to you like you're five years old if you're out there listening. The higher the EPA, good. The lower the EPA, bad. So excellent. The Texans. Me understands that now. Yeah, Thank I you. mean it's it's like it's really complicated. If you want to get into it, it's <laughs> honestly the expected points. You're it's the points you're expected to add because of that play. So like, right? Yeah, it's it's a you're obviously not going to get seven. You're never going to get seven. That means you're scoring on every single play. You run ten places and you right. get seventy points. But that's so. The Browns have a negative point oh one. It's a very good expected point added per run. It's very good. You're not expected. You're running it from your own 20-yard line. You're not expected to score. That's what a good EPA looks like. The Texans are negative .18. So very bad on that front. The Texans Hmm. are more than double the EPA per pass than the Browns. A lot of that, you know, big plays with Fuller. Fuller's been fantastic the past six weeks. So that's really up there for but what I'm getting to is that this game is literally designed for the Browns to win. So was the te- so was the Raiders game. Having Nick Chubb mm-hmm. out hurts a little bit. But Wyatt Teller, the best runner of the ball, back, both back in your lineup this week against the worst running defense in the NFL, arguably. This is all mm-hmm. there's that's why it's a must win if you want to get to the playoffs. If you lose this, the team's more the team's mindset just absolutely that they're they know they can't do it they think they can't do it which means they're not going to do it um i would and honestly if give me one second i would almost argue that with the the afc south with the titans and colts um if you lose this game you might not catch back up there's a chance you know you can the the colts don't have a tough schedule for the rest of the way out they played the texans twice they play the Jags. They play the Lions. No, they already played the Lions. My bad. Um, so, like, and then you obviously have to worry about the Raiders and the Dolphins. I'm not worried about the Dolphins, the Raiders, whatever. So, we're at Week 10. You got to win every game from here on out. There's two games that are a big, big scary question mark when you look at Browns wins, obviously. But I would argue, I understood your point, John. I think you are probably the more sane reasoning, but... In my opinion, I think this is a must-win because you don't want the fate to be out of your hands when it comes to the playoffs in the NFL. Oh, true. Absolutely. I mean, in losing the tiebreaker, like having the tiebreaker lost to the Raiders because you lost the head-to-head matchup, like that could loom really huge, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you get a chance to play, you know, bad AFC teams, you know, at some point, like your division record matters, obviously. Your conference record matters, too. Like that's the other part that people – you know, that's a huge part of the tiebreaker is, you know, when you lose games to the NFC, okay, that sucks. But like, it doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't come into a, um, a tiebreaker scenario. You know, it is, it's somewhere on the list, but it's really far down. But like having other wins in the AFC is very, very important besides your division, of course. So yeah, this is just another chance to get another win in conference versus a bad, 
you know, a bad Houston team. Very Absolutely. Bad. This is the team. This is a game you just cannot lose if you're a good team. And I'll say it once before. I, I'll probably say this every single episode from here on out. The Browns are just good enough to be in the playoffs, but they are still not a good team yet. That's okay. It's okay. We, two, three years ago, we were sitting here wondering if we were going to get a win. And now we're sitting here True. probably going to be, uh, son of a bitch, what's our record? Five and three right now? Most yeah, likely going three. to be six and three. I'm, 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 I'm not even at the point anymore where I'm saying like, oh, I'm not going to jinx the Browns. I'm saying this is a game you win. I have no doubt in my yep. mind the Browns should and will win this game. So, right. Browns are going to be, you look ahead, because I'm not on the team, so it doesn't matter my mindset. I'm already I'm already looking <laughs> into week 11. This is not how you should be thinking sure. if you're on the Browns. It doesn't matter. I'm just talking about them. So you're going into week 11, double the amount of wins as losses as a Browns franchise. That's absolutely spectacular. It's not a one-day, not a one-day turnaround. So I'm happy with this. I am happy that they didn't make trades at the deadline. Um, I think this is a long, slow building process. You have a lot of draft picks. You have a lot of capital. You have a you have a free second round pick next year with Grant Delpit coming back. Um, did they end up changing Good the point. rule? I saw that they were, and then this will be we'll have to go after this. But I saw they were looking into the rule about if a player gets um, IR'd before they ever play a snap, they could say like, okay, you didn't play that year. Now you have four years on your contract left and starts next year. Oh, I hadn't, I don't know. I hadn't heard anything about that. I actually. saw something that about really that and during the draft process. So like a redshirt year in the NFL. I, I saw something about it in the draft process, but the biggest pushback was, so are they going to get paid during their redshirt year? So I don't think it actually ended up ever. Is How yeah. would you pay them? I mean, it's just, you're not going to be able to compensate. Why would the NFL PA ever agree? Right. I can't imagine they would ever agree to that, the Players Association, because you're just, it's a lost right. year for them. You know what I mean? It only benefits the right. team. So. And, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really hurt the player because Grant Delpa has three years to prove that he deserves to be paid, and I have no doubt in my mind he will get paid eventually. He's a fantastic player. But, yeah, I don't. Um, I think that's all I wanted to cover today. Um, I, I think the Browns versus Texans game, um, you know, most of you listening probably know who Jeff Lloyd is across, the, I mean, locked on Browns. He tweeted the other day, like, Someone said, should this be close? And he said, no. That's all he said. Like, it should, should not be close. This should not be a game you have to worry about. I'm not worried about it. Uh, I mean, if they lose, I'll be sad, sure. But the more important thing will be, okay, start planning for next year. Because I, I it's just, I don't know. I'm not trying to be negative, but you, these are the games you have to win if you want to get into the playoffs. Simple as that. Yeah. Two and six. It, if the, the only way it's close... Or like you're you're you know in the fourth quarter you're like crap we need to come back and win this game is if it's a really really bad defensive effort like like just a the worst game of the year right from a from a unit that we've just obviously dissected and talked about as being you know uh, middle to the back half of the of the you know league as far as um, production wise and how good they are but if they have like a like a just a flat dead spot coming out of the bye right where Watson you know Garrett's not really getting any pressure and Watson's able to kind of pick them apart. That's probably the formula where you're looking at, you know, heading into the fourth quarter going, how in the hell are we not winning this game? Like, that's going to, that's probably it. Anything short of that, you're right. Like, this should be, you know, uh, this should be dictating tempo on offense. Game script should favor us. 
Uh, you should see, you know, Chubb and Hunt. Like you're going to see the Texans defenders just, you know, gassed and, and just thinking like how every time one of them goes off the field, the other one seems like the the, the other guy coming on is better. Like it doesn't even matter which guy it is. Like this is so impossible to stop and you know things like that. So so yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is that's a great point. You should you know should win this game. And we talked about you know there's plenty of uh, matchup advantages. They just have to they have to execute. It's flat out. And I want to see, like I said, that I want to see Stefanski, you know, correct his mistakes from the the Raiders game. It's almost identical situation. If the wind and the rain are going to be a factor, then use your strengths and focus on those. And you know that's where Houston is most susceptible, anyways. So it, it plays right into what you want to do, anyways. So take advantage of that, and uh, yeah, go get to six and three. Win a home game against a bad team, and go get to six and three. That's what that's what we, the Browns need to do. All right, and I think they will. Yeah, I like that. I'm ending in on that. If you are still listening, please uh, leave. If you're on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a comment. Negative, good. It it's nice either way. So. Um, with that, absolutely. Um, go Browns, and hopefully I'll be back recording Sunday or Monday for a post game show. Woohoo!